Welcome back to Fall Classic Rewind, the stories behind the World Series. Today, we are covering Game 6 of the 1979 World Series between the Pirates and the Orioles. The Orioles lead the series three games to two as we head back to Memorial Stadium. Orioles were not able to get the job done in Game 5. The Pirates staved off elimination, sort of rallying behind their manager, who lost his mother. Chuck Tanner's squad got a really unexpected great performance from the lefty Jim Rooker. A phenomenal performance by Burt Blylevin out of the pen. I mean, he was just nearly unhittable. Uh, his bre- his breaking ball was just wicked. Uh, and on the offensive side, you know, they were able to score seven runs. Bill Madlock had a four-hit game, you know, basically just chipping balls right into center field as he does. Tim Foley with a with a huge performance, driving in three runs with clutch hits, a huge clutch triple. And ultimately, we're back in Baltimore. Which both teams split. You know, each team was able to win a game. The Orioles sort of had that. They jumped out to a huge head start in game one and held on for dear life as Mike Flanagan provided just enough, you know, to hold on to that 5-4 victory. Game two, tonight's starter, which is Jim Palmer, was very solid in game two, but not enough. And, uh, well, certainly the bats weren't able to do enough, despite Eddie Murray having the best performance of his series. Manny Sanguian with the huge go-ahead hit in the ninth inning of that game, and Tecolve closed it down. So, and obviously the Orioles had that huge comeback, have had two comeback victories, games three and game four. Game three after the rain delay, jumped all over tonight's starter, John Candelaria. And then in game four, they jumped all over Kent the Colve, you know, putting six runs on the Pirates' bullpen in the eighth inning. A sort of a crazy comeback. Earl Weaver's platoons really working out like a charm, just as he scripted it. And so you get to a point in a series where you're leading. You're up 3-1, and, you know, you have breathing room, right? The Orioles didn't need to win game five. They would have liked to, right? Would have been nice have your ace, have Mike Flanagan close it out. But the Orioles are confident. They're coming back home. They've played great at Memorial. And they've got Jim Palmer going today. And heck, even if they don't get it done tonight, they've got Scott McGregor going tomorrow, right? And McGregor was great. He's been great in this postseason. But you don't want to take any chances, do you? Right? If you can avoid a game seven, avoid a winner-take-all game, you do it at all costs. Right? You don't want to give other teams chances. You don't want to give them another bite at the apple. You want to take care of business right here, right now. And the way this game starts, it really seems like that's what the Orioles are about. That's what it seems like Jim Palmer is about. But ultimately, this game is not necessarily going to be about Jim Palmer and the Orioles. It'll be somewhat about their bats, but what this series is, frankly, the second half of this series is... It's about the Pirates. It's about how they fight, how what they do when their backs are against the wall. You know, this is a team that has been competitive for a decade, right? But this squad really, right, you know, it's really over about the past couple of years since Chuck Tanner has taken over as manager. There were teams that fell a little short, 
right? Weren't able to catch the Phillies and make the playoffs, despite an MVP performance from Dave Parker and all-star seasons from other players, right? And so there was something about this team this year of their ability to come back, their ability to face adversity. Not that the Orioles didn't have that, by the way. They had that in spades, right? They were the miracle on on uh, on 33rd Street, right? Um, you know, at Memorial Stadium with all the crazy comebacks they had. But the Pirates, it really feels like Game 5 was the first time that we – we felt like we really saw the Pirates in this series. You heard Cosell talk about it, right? That that relentless lineup, it's so hard to work through, and it really shows in this series. I mean, they've done an okay job at scoring, but just like they've had so many opportunities with runners in scoring position. They have so many dangerous hitters. A lot of credit goes to the Orioles pitchers for, in key situations, shutting things down. They weren't able to do that in Game 5. The Pirates were too much. And as it turns out in Game 6, and when we get to Game 7, it's really going to show that this lineup, this Pirates lineup, it's too much. More on all of that and tonight's starters, tonight's heroes, after a word from our sponsor. You know, I've stood there in line and I've watched them do it. People come up into the O, the original hot dog shop, and it's their first time and they order up fries and they say, make it a large. And then the next guy behind them does just the same thing. Well, they better have brought some friends along because that order comes up. They're not going to believe what they just ordered. You'd think there'd be no more potatoes left in Idaho. You see, the O doesn't do just a regular size fast food large fries. No, sir. You order a large, you're about to get a casket size full of fries. People who know, they know. Coming out from games at nearby Forbes Field back in the 60s to pit students throughout the years, they know that along with some of the best hot dogs you're ever going to find, come the best, most delicious fries you've ever had and the biggest serving sizes you've ever seen. A small? Well, that might be big enough for you, fella. Trust me. And to dip them in some cheese or some brown gravy, you're going to have to trust me on that one, too. The O, the original hot dog shop with the neon lights to guide you at night in the Oakland neighborhood in Pittsburgh. Tonight's pitching matchup should be a great one. With Candelaria pitching for the Pirates and Jim Palmer for the Orioles. Palmer, tall, handsome, eight-time 20-game winner, one of the best pitchers of his generation, future Hall of Famer, living legend, but a pitcher who struggled with injuries this year. Not unlike his counterpart, the tall, well, and, uh, well, we'll just leave it at tall, John Candelaria, uh, the lefty who's a former 20-game winner, Cy Young candidate, a really, at times, dominant starting pitcher, uh, but who really pitched through a lot of injuries this year, you know, the con- mainly a control pitcher, Gave up a lot of home runs, as uh, Howard is going to constantly remind you uh, throughout the night. But Candelaria dealt with back issues, developed with some rib issues, some arm issues. He ended up throwing over 200 innings, going 14-9. and Um, But it wasn't his best year, and he got shelled in Game 3 after the rain delay. I mean, just... You know, few pitches didn't go his way, left some pitches in the middle of the zone and got rocked. Palmer, you know, has been pretty good through this postseason, but not like he's just had these innings where things get a little away from him, where, the, you know, you're able to put a couple of runs on the board uh, against him. But other than that, he usually shuts you down for the rest of the game. 
kind of going to be what happens here, though. The damage is not going to be done early in this game. Out of the gate, both of these guys um, are going to find ways to uh, put a bunch of zeros up. But I wanted to talk about Candelaria for a little bit because he's got an interesting backstory. Candelaria, who, you know, from a Puerto Rican family, grew up in New York. He was a basketball player. Right. Like that's that's what he was doing. You know, he played in the the New York Catholic League, the same Catholic League that uh, Lou Alcinder, later known as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, played in. And, you know, so he was, I believe, in the high school record books, Candelaria had a game that sort of like matched up, you know, had some games that matched up um, in terms of points and rebounds um, with uh with um uh with Lou Alcinder. Um, you know, Kareem Lou Alcinder went to Power Memorial, uh Candelaria went to LaSalle, you know, a couple years after uh Jabbar, you know, obviously went on to college and then became a professional. Uh but Candelaria, you know, was actually playing for like the Puerto Rican national basketball team. It, you know, so that's looked like you know being six seven that he was, he played center. Uh, back when six seven, you could be a center back then. You know, being the big guy he was, looked like his future was going to be in basketball, and it was kind of surprising to his family and the people around him that um, he was going to go off to the Pirates of baseball and give pitching a try. Basically, it was almost kind of like a shock uh, to the people around him. But he ended up, you know, switching to baseball and having a very, very solid career. I mean, Candelaria, the peak of his career, we're right at the end of the peak of his career. He obviously, you know, after this, this stretch, you know, not unlike a Frank Tanana, you know, would go on to struggle with injuries. And in the early eighties, you know, kind of get bumped to the bullpen and stuff like that. Um, but interestingly enough, similar to, uh, you know, Tanana had sort of a resurgence in the late 80s. Uh, Candelaria went on, get, got traded to the Angels, uh, actually won like an AL Comeback Player of the Year, eventually pitched with the Mets and bounced around sort of as a reliever and sometimes starter towards the end of his career. But, you know, this stretch of the late 70s, Candelaria was one of the better pitchers in the National League, especially one of the better left-handers. You know, probably the only left-hander you're sure was better than him in the in the National League was Steve Carlton. And so it's interesting for Candelaria the position he's in tonight. Coming off of a rough start where, you know, you don't make you don't make excuses. You know, but it was a shocking decision that Tanner sent him back out there, given all of the injuries he dealt with, given, uh, you know, how long the delay was and also how the Orioles were hitting him prior to the rain delay. But Candelaria had to wear it for a little bit. And so how's he going to respond tonight? Pitching on short rest by the way. And it's not as if, you know, it was an abbreviated outing in terms of innings, but not in terms of pitch count. I mean, Candelaria was up probably over 80 pitches, had to work really hard. Um, so asking him to come do this on short rest, I mean, Candelaria, they show actually a graphic during the game, but Candelaria in his career was really good on short rest. That's a lot to ask of a guy, especially of someone who, you know, has been dealing with injuries is not at his best. But when a World Series is on the line, yeah, guys are going to want to step up and take the ball. And that's what Candelaria is going to do. Here he is with Howard Cosell talking about what he's been through with the injuries and his approach heading into game six. If there's a concern about you, John, it's your physical condition, your ribs, your back. What is it? Well, I've, I've had a back problem for a couple of years. Uh, two bones that tied it back together I need to be tied for a fusion. I've got a curved spine. I've got uh, a bone now they found uh, floating around in the middle, which won't affect me. Uh, 
I've never used an excuse. I never will. Uh, I just want to get the guys to game seven tomorrow and take out chances from there. So the big left-hander they call the Ken demand is on the mound. During the regular season, he was touched for 25 home runs. He gave up a home run to Cincinnati, and he gave up one in the series to Vinny Ayala. Ayala is batting behind Garcia. Then comes Singleton, Murray, Desensei, Renicky Dower, Dempsey, and Palmer. You heard Keith Jackson mention the stacked right-handed lineup that the Candyman will have to face. Of course, there are some sacrifices that you make, you know, looking for a platoon advantage on offense. The Orioles take a little step back on defense. You know, obviously, Renneke is a very solid outfielder, but his best position is in left and not center field. Bunbury is a superior center fielder to Renneke. And Ayala, his position is hit. Uh, he is not much of a left fielder. Um, we might see that come into play later in this game. But that is sometimes what happens. You're looking for the advantage. You want to hit. You know, Earl Weaver is looking for the home run ball. Ayala took Candelaria deep in game three. You know, he's looking, hey, maybe Renneke can provide that as well. Uh, and But, of course, you know, Weaver is once a right-hander is in the game, he won't be afraid to turn to his lefties, right? He won't be afraid to, to, to change things up. For Jim Palmer, he's going to have to face quite a few lefties in the Pirates lineup. Moreno leading off, Parker and Stargell, though, of course, they're in there against anybody. Milner and Ed Ott. You know, so not, not easy to work through this Pirates lineup. But Jim Palmer, who, again, was very solid in game two, looks like he's able to get to that extension, doesn't seem like his back is bothering him, you know, at this point of the year. He's confident that... If he maintains his approach, he'll be able to get the best of the Pirates hitters. Though, he will admit that it's a challenge. Here he is talking with Howard Goso. Right-hander Jim Palmer, starting pitcher for Baltimore. In a game like this, where the heat is on in the kitchen, wisdom so important. A little while ago, Howard talked with the Baltimore starter. Jim, after throwing hard the first two innings, getting slugged for two runs in the second, you changed your pitching pattern. You mixed things up. Will that be the pattern from the start tonight? Well, not really, Howard. Um, you know, I had nine days off before that started, and I went out there, and in the first inning, I went two and two in Marino, and, you know, he, I just threw him a strike, and he got a base hit, not hit very hard, and I got out of that inning on a, on a bad base running mistake by him. Then the second inning, I went 2-2 two and two on Stargell, and I think the first hitter of any inning is the most important. I didn't want to walk him. He hit a good 2-2 two, two pitch. The next two were right down the middle, and I think when you pitch to a guy like Milner and a guy like Bill Madlock, for any old batting champ in the National League, you can't throw the ball down the middle. I changed speeds later. I threw a lot of high fastballs, and I was watching the video uh, cassette replay that I had, and I was very pleased the way I pitched the last five innings. It did change speeds a little bit more, but I primarily went with my fastball, and I still have to establish my fastball to be successful. But tonight... I'm going to go out there and pitch primarily the same way I did last time. I'm just not going to try to throw the ball in the middle of the plate as much. Jim Palmer making his walk in from the bullpen, and the crowd is roaring. All right, let's get into this game six. Finally, we've got a day at Memorial Stadium where the weather is just fine, not super cold. It hasn't been raining. The field is a little torn up because, well, the Colts and the Oilers played just two days ago. But all things considered, the field is in much better shape than it was about a week ago. That being said, it's still a rough field, and it might play a factor in this game. Uh, but we're not going to be dealing with wet grass. We're not going to be dealing uh, with uh, really cold weather. We 
should hopefully have good, relatively clean baseball. And to start off this game, things happen really, really quickly. First pitch of the game, Omar Moreno grounds one right up the middle. No chance to make a play for the infielders. So from the outset, a little danger on the bases. Palmer goes to some pickoffs. But then with Tim Foley at the plate, the hit and run is on. He chops one. It goes over to Sensei's head, deflects off of his glove, kind of goes into the corner. Dougie has to run it down. Moreno ends up on third base, Foley on second. So two pitches in, runners on second and third with nobody out, and Dave Parker and Willie Stargell coming up to the plate. Not exactly how you want this game to start if you're Jim Palmer. However, it must be noted, and Howard Cosell has reminded you time and time again, the Pirates have had a lot of hits in this series. They have a bunch of guys with a bunch of hits and a lot of base runners and scoring position. And yet, when it comes to hitting and executing with runners in scoring position, the Pirates have had their struggles. Some of that is bad luck. Some of that is great pitching and good execution. We're going to see a mix of that right here for Jim Palmer and the Orioles as he tries to wriggle out of a really tight jam. And uh, you said that everybody says if you're going to get Palmer, you've got to get him early. You've got to. Jim just gets stronger and stronger. And I'll tell you, if you don't get him through about the first four or five, you might not get him at all. Here is Dave Parker with nine hits and 21 trips to the plate. But a lot of those hits have not been terribly productive. It's been a problem. Pittsburgh's had 61 hits, but not with great efficiency until the Sunday game. Nobody out. Moreno at third. And Foley at second in game number six. And it's hit down the left side. Great play by DeSensei. That was a really great play by Doug DeSensei. That's the way DeSensei can feel. He's had some bad moments in this series. But there you saw the young man who was reminding people of Brooks Robbins. And he slices that ball down the line. DeSensei, a great play going to the line. Parker really takes a heavy spill at first base. But DeSensei comes up in a good, strong throw. But look at the effort by Parker hitting the bag. And the throw just does nip him. But he takes a heavy spill after he goes across the bag. Now it is one out with Willis Stargell at the plate. Remarkable reflexes by DeSensei. The big guy with his speed made it close. Fly ball will bring one home. Base hit will bring two home. And Willie pops him up to the infield. In foul ground, DeSensei coming in. Two out. Oh, what a big turn of events. The two muscle men in the pirate order, batters three and four, Parker and Stargell. And the Pirates are looking at that first pitch, figuring Palmer, who loves to get ahead of the hitter, is going to come with that high fastball, and so far it has not been rewarding to Parker and Stargell, nor the Pirates. That's the seventh time in this series that Willie, with runners in scoring position, has failed to connect. That was an incredible play by Doug DeSensei, saving two runs going down the line and firing over to get Parker, who runs really, really well. Again, that's the sort of unfortunate outcome there for the Pirates. Parker gets barrel, but hit too hard for Moreno to score, and it's hit at third base. Really, if it's hit anywhere else, right, Moreno's able to score. Arguably, he could have gone, right? Like, and forced DeSensei to either choose to get the out at first or throw home. Uh, wouldn't have been the easiest play, but that's something of where you have to be going on that down angle. You have to make that decision. And given how hard and sharp the ball was hit, that's a tough read for Moreno there at third. 
Sarjo up at the plate. Once again, runners in scoring position doesn't come through, pops the ball up, gets barrel. I mean, he hits that ball a mile high, but just way too far under it. And John Milner is actually going to get ahead in the count, in a 2-1 count, but he bounces one right back to Palmer. He hits it sharply. Palmer stabs it, runs over to first, gets it himself, pumps his fist a little bit, like, all right, got out of the jam. All right, guys, go and get me a lead. And the Orioles' offense is going to try their best to do that. Kiko Garcia, who's turned out to be somewhat of a hero in this series, though his defense and his defense later in this game has left a little bit to be desired. He, on the, on the second pitch he sees from John Candelaria, rips one up the middle, base hit. Ayala flies out to center relatively deep, a good swing. Uh, but then Kenny Singleton rips one through the left side. Kenny Singleton seeing Candelaria well. But that brings up Eddie Murray, who, if we go back to the last time he was at Memorial Stadium, you know, you would have thought in the midst of that game that Eddie Murray was looking to be World Series MVP. He had a home run. He had an RBI double. He was four for his first five. Well, Eddie Murray has yet to pick up another hit since then and has come up with runners in scoring position time and time again. And now facing the Candyman, Eddie Murray and his struggles are going to continue. Baltimore, they come right back and they threaten themselves here in the first. Eddie Murray, doesn't make much difference which way he hits. We said that earlier. Right-handed, hit 298 in 181 trips to the plate with nine home runs and 31 runs batted in. Left-handed, he was a 294 hitter, but with more power. Hit on the ground of the third baseman, Madlock. Steps on the bag at third, throw to first, double play. The inning is over. And so the Orioles threaten, and they too are turned away here in the first inning of play. What a good play there by Bill Madlock, and frankly, an even better pitch by John Candelaria. I don't know if Candelaria threw a cutter. You know, he definitely did sort of have a slider breaking ball. Um, This didn't look like a breaking ball. It looked more like a fastball that um, Candelaria was kind of able to get outside of, get a little bit of that sort of cutting in action towards a right-hander. Regardless, basically saws off, doesn't break the bat, but saws off um, Eddie Murray. Uh, Madlock gets it uses his right foot to reach over to the bag, plant, use sort of the bag to to propel him to, th- to redirect and throw the ball over to first to get the Pirates out of the inning. In these early innings, both of these guys are going to be really solid, both Candelaria and Palmer. They're each able to work around some base hits. Uh, Phil Garner gets... You know, gets a base hit, continues his great series. You know, if it weren't for those errors he made earlier, um, Garner would be certainly a candidate uh, for World Series MVP uh, if the Pirates can come back and win this thing. Uh, but Candelaria, you know, through the first three innings, you know, just the, additionally just, you know, allows a base hit to Rick Dempsey. Uh, you know, their guys are able to get some key strikeouts and all of that. But we're going to go to the top of the fourth where Jim Palmer sort of starts to lose his command a little bit. He does get Willie Stargell to fly out to center, but then walks John Milner and just completely loses the zone against Mill Bill Madlock. And that brings up Ed Ott. And, you know, Ed Ott is a wrestler. And Bill Madlock, on this play that, that's coming up here, must think that he's an offensive lineman with what he's going to try to do to Kiko Garcia to try to prevent a double play. That ball is hit on the ground of the second baseman down. Over the second one, over to first base, bounces. No! And a good effort by Madlock at second base to bust it up. Boy, he did have a great effort. And he almost cut the legs out from Garcia. Right now, as you look at Madlock at first base, and they know that they've got to play. There's no tomorrow if they come in second tonight. 
And he goes in as hard as I've seen anybody go in in a long time. That's kind of refreshing to see somebody play like that. There's the rolling block, Garcia. Now he can't get the ball quick enough to get him down. There it is again. That's called in football vernacular a chop block. Madlock has been all over the place in this series, up at the plate, out in the field, on the bases. The Pirates play hard. Though, again, this is a play, if this happened today, it would be an automatic double play because Madlock doesn't even attempt to slide. Like, there's no attempt for a baseball play. He just tries to truck Garcia, tries to take out his legs. Kind of a dirty play. Uh, and with what we know about Bill Madlock and his propensity to get into fights, I wonder if there was maybe a thought of getting into a fight there. But, you know, game six of the World Series, we don't need this to turn into a brawl. Uh, and certainly the Orioles don't see it that way. Actually, to get out of this inning uh, with Phil Garner at the plate, um, Palmer ends up hitting him. So, like, this inning, you know, three base runners, no base hits but not not the worst outcome obviously with how well Garner's hit and especially with the pitcher on deck that's a much more favorable matchup for Jim Palmer and he makes short work of John Candelaria in the bottom of the fourth Ken Singleton continues to see Candelaria well rips a single into center field and up again steps Eddie Murray, who has just, you know, flat out had his struggles in this series. Hit into a double play right at Bill Madlock last time. And he's not, and his luck is not going to get any better. Bill Madlock showing off his defensive prowess in this game. Here's Eddie Murray now. Eddie Murray in the ball game has left four base runners in scoring position. Pulls this one sharply down the third baseline. Madlock knocks it down and throws to get him. Good play by Bill. And Singleton moves up to second base. It was Bedlin a good play. That ball could have caused an explosion by Baltimore. Watch it again. Well, he gets the ball in on Murray a little bit. Madlock comes over. He makes a good play. It might have been even a better play had he been able to hold on to the ball because they would have had the force for sure at second base, but he stays on it in a hurry, and he gets Murray at first, and Baltimore now with a man in scoring position with Singleton at second base. Madlock going over to his right is not able to secure the ball cleanly, but still quick enough to pick it up, throw out Murray at first. You know, and again, getting to that ball down the line, that ball gets down the line. It's probably second and third, nobody out and more pressure on Candelaria. But instead, with the runner on second, Candelaria is able to keep him there with a grounder to short uh, and then a pop out to second with uh, Desense and Renicky getting out. In the top of the fifth, Palmer is able to put up yet another zero, gets Moreno to line out to second. Foley pops out behind the plate. Dave Parker puts together a great at-bat, really battling against Parker, uh, against uh, Jim Palmer. He's able to draw a nine-pitch walk. Some really big swings there from Parker. I love the way he takes at-bats. But then Jim Palmer, with Stargell at the plate, is able to get the better of him, able to strike him out with some breaking balls and get his guys back in the dugout. And it looks like they're going to maybe get something started again. Another leadoff base runner on. Rich Dower gets a base hit to center field, bringing up Rick Dempsey, a guy who, you know, has had his fingerprint on this series, plays hard, is looking to come through for his team here. Maybe set the stage and get things ready for the top of the Orioles lineup. But John Candelaria has a knack in this game for making the right pitches and getting balls hit right where he wants them. Two balls and no strike. Now Dempsey will take a look at Ripken. They've got the count in their favor right now if you ever want to start something. 
Candelaria, you certainly don't want to walk Dempsey. And a good situation where you got to feel that he's going to throw a strike. To Foley, to Garner, to Stigel, very quickly to Gaul. Candelaria is pitching a beautiful game. It's a beautiful ball game. With the layers of tension now accumulating, inning by inning. Now you couldn't ask for a more tailor-made double play than that. Dialing up a pitcher's best friend. Exactly what the Candyman needed. A truly great performance by him so far. Five shutout innings. Kind of not unlike the heroic effort from uh, from Jim Rooker and Burt Blylevin the night before. The, the Pirates getting what they need on that side of the ball. Leaving a little bit to be desired on the offensive side, but... Just wait and see for that. Top of the sixth, after Jim Palmer strikes out against John Candelaria, uh, Palmer is able to work around a two-out single from Ed Ott uh, to get Phil Garner, who hits the ball well but flies out to center field. In the bottom of the sixth, Candelaria is facing the top of the order for the third time. You know, we, we have all the things now about, oh, third time through the order. I think more often than not, it has, to, it has to deal with fatigue rather than hitters making some adjustments. But ultimately, hitters do make adjustments. Um, but pitchers are just as able to make adjustments as hitters. Garcia flies out to center. Benny Ayala grounds out to short. Ken Singleton picks up his third hit of the day off of Candelaria. He has no issues. He's probably wondering for the rest of the guys, hey, hey guys, it's not that hard to hit him. Look at what I'm doing. Oh, when you finish runner-up an MVP, sometimes other guys just aren't as good as you, Kenny. But that brings up Eddie Murray once again, who's come up in crucial spots time and time again in this series. And other than early on, he has failed to come through. The Candyman on the mound, facing Steady Eddie, who we don't know at the time, but it's a future Hall of Famer, right? Can Candelaria, who in this inning, by the way, Tanner came out at the beginning, it looked like Candelaria felt something either in his back or in his shoulder, you know, the bullpen's going, getting ready, but Candelaria is looking to deliver just one more out, right? Just needs one more out to get through six shutout innings with the season on the line. Listen here as the Candyman is able to deliver. It was only last Thursday, seems a decade ago, that Eddie Murray went three for three right here. One ball and no strikes to count as Keeson continues to throw. The pitcher spot will lead it off for the Pirates in the seventh inning. Bruce Keeson. Splintered bat again. And Foley goes to Garner for the force and the side is retired. Now Baltimore going in the sixth inning and we're through six. Pittsburgh and Baltimore. No score. What an outing. For John Candelaria, six shutout innings, exactly what Chuck Tanner and the Pittsburgh Pirates were looking for. Not the most dominant outing, not the best stuff, but executed his pitches, made, you know, the right pitches in the right spots, got guys to hit it right at guys when he needed a double play or get a strikeout when he needed it. An outstanding outing from John Candelaria. Of course, I mentioned like he was sort of grabbing at his shoulder. You know, clearly his day was done. Lee Lacey's going to pitch it for him in the top of the seventh. But outstanding. What a great rebound 
for Candelaria, especially after that rough outing, given all the injuries he's faced. An outstanding night for John Candelaria with the season on the line. Jim Palmer is having himself a heck of a night as well. You know, pitching brilliantly, getting out of tough situations. But in this seventh inning, Earl Weaver's decision, uh, you know, and especially an interesting thing happens here, right? So Lee Lacey leads off to pinch hit, which means Candelaria is out of the game. And you can see DeColve warming up down in the bullpen. So you can be pretty confident that right-handed pitchers are likely going to come into the game for the Pirates. But Earl Weaver doesn't make any changes, right? I mean, oftentimes you wait until the hitters come up. But as this game is getting late, right, he decides to leave Ayala out there, right, out there in left field, rather than improve his defense by either putting Lowenstein or put Bumbry out there and move Renneke to left. Keep that in mind for these next two innings, the defensive plays in left field. But also up the middle with Garcia and Dower, who are the better offensive options, no doubt, right? And and you do need runs. I understand Earl Weaver, you need runs. And you're not going to take out your best offensive guys. You know, you, you usually put defenders in when you have a lead and the Orioles haven't scored yet. So I get that. But the defensive plays up the middle are going to be a little costly here. Where if you had Belanger and Billy Smith, maybe you'd have a little bit of a better outcome. So Omar Moreno gets a single to right with one out after Lee Lacey strikes out. Omar Moreno's having a pretty good day at the plate, kind of rebounding from his really rough start to this World Series. And then with two strikes, Moreno's running, not a hit and run, but more of a run and hit. Foley chops one up the middle, and instead of coming to get the ball, Garcia kind of just stands on second base, tries to make a play, completely whiffs on it to allow Foley to have an infield single. You know, it's the type of play Moreno beats the ball to second base. Like, I don't know what in the world Kiko Garcia is doing. That the, the defensive instinct's not there, like a Mark Belanger. And so that brings up first and second one out with the Cobra and Captain Willie coming up, the big guns for the Pirates, guys who have hit the ball hard, but sometimes right at people. They haven't had the luck or the breaks go their way so far in this series, right? Plenty of opportunities have not and have picked up plenty of hits, but those key moments, you know, those hearted balls have either been right at people or, you know, they've just gotten under it, maybe come up with a strikeout. Here is a break that's going to go their way. Berg trying to build up a threat here in the top of the seventh inning in a scoreless ball game. And Parker hits it sharply. Second base oh. past him. Not a score, Moreno. Omar coming around third, and he comes to the plate for the first run of the ball game. Foley goes to third. Parker is on with a run batted in. Well, I don't know what happened here. That ball, I thought, was a double play ball all the way. I did too, but it looked like a bad bounce at the last minute. Look at it again. Dower seemed to slip a little bit too. Looked like a cinch double play. Big hop. He never even got a glove on it. Big hop. Never got a glove on it. Moreno scores. Foley goes to third. It's one to nothing Pittsburgh, and they're not out of the woods yet. Base hit. Forte Parker. One to nothing. The Buccaneers have taken the lead, and here is Willis Stargell with one out. And Foley at third. Ball to the outfield. Let's score him. Obviously a base hit win. Ball is hit high in the air and deep to left field. There is room for Ayala. 
Foley tags. He comes racing down the line and scores, and Parker moves up to second base. Which is one of the smartest plays you would ever want to see. Well, Dave Parker started to second. He saw where the ball was going to go. He came back and tagged. He started to second base. The play was right in front of him. But Ayala was backing up on the ball. He did not set where he could make a play to second base. When Parker saw that, no contest. An unfortunate, unfortunate sequence of events for Baltimore. Parker squares up that ball, but again, I can't tell if if Dower slips. He kind of goes down to his knees, kind of takes a bad hop. I mean, that ball's ripped by Dave Parker. But if Dower stays on his feet, it's the 4-6-3 double play. Palmer's out of the inning. Instead, it's a run-scoring single. And Foley, taking advantage of the ball going to the gap, moves over to third base so that when Stargell comes up, again, he squares the ball up, hits you know, hits it to the track. Now, obviously, even if Renicky is out there in left field, there's no way they're throwing out Tim Foley at home plate. But either Renicky or Lowenstein is going to work their way back get behind that ball. Ayala sort of coasts to the ball, catches it, catches it, and then is flat-footed, which allows Parker to move up to second. Now, that doesn't end up hurting the Orioles even more. It doesn't get compounded as John Milner flies out to center field. But it's just a little thing that I noticed where the defense, where perhaps if Billy Smith is at second base, or if Lowenstein or Renicky is out and left, maybe you get a little bit better defensive play, a little bit of sharpness that's lacking. You know, it's just, it's one of those things where now we're going to see those replacements come in in the bottom of the inning. But it's just, again, I think somewhat of the wrong decision of maybe you could have made some changes earlier. So the Pirates are up 2 nothing. And in comes Kent Colvey. And Bill Robinson, by the way, ends up going into left field. We got an old-fashioned double switch. Milner out of the ballgame as he was the last hitter. And Robinson in left. DeCincey leads off with a ground out to short. Tim Foley makes a nice play. But then, curiously, Al Bumbery pinch hits for Gary Renicky. And this is a weird decision to make. Now, Renicky. Not a great matchup against Decolve, but Renicky, as I've mentioned before, crushes lefties, but was great against righties during the regular season. Like he, he was not a guy you needed to platoon. Gary Renicky was just a good player, right? And so then I, what I also don't understand is, well, why not go with Lowenstein here or or someone else? I, I don't know, but it's really an odd decision to take out one of your best hitters and definitely one of your best defensive outfielders. So keep that in mind, especially as we go to this next inning. But Bunbury flies out to right. Billy Smith ends up pitch hitting for Rich Dower, gets a base hit. Again, another situation where Smith-Dower, similar defensively. I mean, they're very similar players, but um, it's kind of interesting that Smith kind of got the short end as this series went on. Rick Dempsey ends up striking out against Colby there in the seventh. And now we get to top eight where things really don't go the way. I mean, so again, Ayala is still in the game rather than, um, rather than Renicky. Um, so Bumbry moves to center field, Billy Smith to second. Bill Madlock flies out to center, but then Ed Ott rips one through to right. And then Phil Garner puts a charge into one to left, but it's really a ball that needs to be caught, just flat out. And Ayala, who's slow-footed, not defensively minded, gets turned around by the ball. It kind of tails away from him and bounces into the stands for a ground rule double, sending up second and third and one out. And again, Palmer not happy about it. And he's going to be even less happy after this happens. 
And now the Bucks threaten again here in the eighth. Well, Palmer was looking at Ayala out there and wondering what's going on. Last year, Palmer was openly critical of the Birds' outfield. This year, there was great improvement. Most attributed that to Frank Robinson. But whatever, the ball landed about three feet in front of the fence. Out at third now, and Garner at second, and Bill Robinson up with one out. Could be another run here if Robinson can make contact off Palmer, and he does. That ball is hit into left field. On the line, it is caught by Ayala. And here comes Hock to the plate, and he scores, and it's 3-0. So Bill Robinson does his job. They appeal at third base that Hock uh, might have left too soon, but get no call on it. He hits the ball hard. Ayala's got a good break on the ball this time, coming in a line drive, but I believe Ott was tagging right at that time, and now Ayala appears he might have a shot. We mentioned before their best outfielder is gone, as far as I can throw. A bad throw, tailing off the line. Renicky has been lifted for the pinch hitter. You were right in mentioning that, and that was not a bad throw. It was a terrible throw. Howard's right. I mean, that throw was almost like a lawn dart. Uh, not the whole Raul Abanez uh, lawn dart uh, of spiking it straight into the ground, but just, you know, especially with a catcher running. Ott, Ott runs okay for a catcher. But man, if Renicky's out there or Lowenstein, it's a competitive play at home plate, right? You, you give yourself a chance. But with Ayala, again, sort of a curious decision. You know, the, the couple plays there that the defensive deficiencies of Benny Ayala, who, you know, looked like the hero in game three, right? Earl Weaver looks like a genius. Now, well, you got people scratching their heads. Um, you know, ultimately, Palmer gave up hard, hard contact in this inning. That is for sure. And the inning's not over, right? Omar Moreno's stepping up to the plate. He's looking to redeem himself throughout the series, and he's going to find an opportunity. But I just do want to mention, there's been hard contact in this inning. Garner hit the ball hard. Robinson hit the ball hard, right? Ott hit the ball hard, right? The You know, late in this game, the, the Pirates, again, this relentless lineup, they're really hard to work through, and they make you work and if you start leaving pitches over the middle of the plate, as Palmer is doing late in this game, they're going to hit you hard. At the same token, these are plays that need to be made, right? Early in the game, DeSensei makes that huge, huge play at third base, right? Saving a couple of runs. We've seen Bill Madlock make a couple of huge plays in this game on hard-hit balls. That's what you need in the World Series. If you don't make the plays, you don't execute, you are not going to be in a position to win. And the Pirates right now in this game are taking advantage, and they're going to take advantage further with Omar Moreno at the plate, looking to extend this lead even further. Palmer is not one to disguise his feelings, which I respect. Well, there's been some funny ways that Pittsburgh has scored tonight, really. That's turned the whole game around. Look at Frank Robinson. He doesn't look too happy either. Well, Robbie's seeing a little bit of the tide turn right now. The pendulum has kind of swung the other way. Well, he takes personal Ayala's misplay of gone as dry. That ball is hit to right center field. It's going to fall in for a base hit. Bumbrey knocks it down. Can't make a play. And here comes run number four as Garner steams in from second base. And Moreno goes into second. Four nothing, Pittsburgh. Well, they give him a hit in an air. There's a pass ball out over the plate, and Moreno hits it hard to right center field. Bumbrey gets over, and he does a good job from keeping that ball to go through. And now when he gets there, he boots it. And that's where they draw the air. So that's hit number 10 for Pittsburgh tonight. They do give him a run batted in, however. Yes. Mr. Garner is 11 out of 21 in this World Series. 
Now talk about your MVP. Just tremendous offensive performances up and down the lineup for these Pirates. They are relentless. Again, even coming into this game, if you were to look at the batting averages and look at how the lineups were doing, you'd be a little puzzled that, wait, it's the Pirates who are facing elimination? Again, this comes down to sequencing. This comes down to timely hitting. The Orioles have been timely with their hits. They've had these barrages. But otherwise, they've also had periods of time when they've been completely shut down. The Pirates have been on base for a lot of the series. They just haven't come through with those big two-out hits, right? You know, they've been, you know, games one through four really kind of struggled to come up with the big hit. But not today. Not today. And, you know. Not in game five either. In the late innings, they've really, really come through with clutch hits. Palmer's day is going to be done uh, once he gets through eight. You know, overall, eight innings, four runs, not awful, right? And and it was six shutout and before the defense let him down. But, you know, like I mentioned, there was some hard contact in there too. And, you know, it just seems like things are breaking the Pirates' way to try to counter things, to try to make some sort of difference in the eighth inning, Earl Weaver is going to send his lefties, John Lowenstein, Pat Kelly, and Terry Crowley, all up to the plate, all pinch hitters, going to try to start something and spark something, right? Lowenstein and Crowley had the huge hits against Tecolve in game four, part of that six-run inning that they had, that explosion. This time around, Teak is going to have the advantage. He's going to strike out John Lowenstein on three pitches. He's going to get Pat Kelly to fly out to left. And then with Terry Crowley, Kent Tecove is going to send this game to the ninth inning with the 4-0 lead intact for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Right in there. It's one and two. This was the young man who held his head low just a few days ago. He had been rocked by Lowenstein and Crowley. Little bleeder past the mound. Garner flips to first. They get it. The three bench batters that Earl Weaver sends to the plate in the bottom of the eighth inning are retired in succession. Lowenstein, Kelly, and Crowley. We've played eight innings of baseball in Baltimore in game number six. Pittsburgh leading 4-0. Trying to take it to game seven. It's been a total momentum swing towards the Pirates since the late innings of game five. They've been able to completely shut down the Baltimore offense And in these late innings, the offense has stormed, right? Just hit after hit, clutch hit after clutch hit. And the Pirates' bullpen, it was Blylevin in game five and Tecove here in game six, stepping up, coming through in a huge way. And it's really big for Tecove. Right. The guy who, you know, from from Ohio went to a small school, right? I believe it was Marietta College. Or he was from Marietta, Ohio. Either way. Wasn't drafted, right? You know, this 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 sidewinder who wherever he went put up great numbers, right? Tacoli put up great numbers, finally got his opportunity to break into the big leagues really established himself in 1976 as the Pirates' sort of ace reliever, sort of the backup to Rich Gossage, you know, and took over the closer's role in 78 and now in 79, seen as one of the go-to relievers, one of the best relievers in all of baseball. It's a little bit of smoke and mirrors, but man, has he come through. Kent DeColve. A huge rebound here, right? Uh, 
because it's heartbreaking, right? They, they mentioned when you come into a game, right? And you get rocked, right? At home, nonetheless, right? That can be discouraging. But to come back a few days later in key moments and deliver the way that Tecolve is, right? To go through those lefties. And now here, ninth inning, after Tim started, Tim Stoddard comes in and uh, throws a scoreless, you know, the defensive replacements come in finally for the uh, for the Orioles, but too little, too late. Bottom nine, heart of the order, Singleton, Murray, DeSense. Yeah, that's nothing. That's nothing that Kent Tecolve can't handle. Gets Ken Singleton to strike out. Get throws one of those sliders like down and in that disappears. Singleton swings wildly. Eddie Murray hits one down to the track in right field, but he's way too far under it for it to do to even threaten damage. And that brings up Doug DeSensei. The guy who had the three-run homer, two-run homer in game one to cap off that huge inning. He's, he's made some great defensive plays, but otherwise has kind of struggled in this series. One of those gritty guys, not unlike the Pirates' gritty guys. But this ninth inning, this game six, it belongs to Kent Colvey and the Pittsburgh Pirates. Here it is to send us to game seven. Kent Colvey, dominant, to cap off the shutout. Well, it will be a gripper tomorrow night at 8 Eastern time. As two gutty, talented, tough baseball teams square off in game number seven. Takove pitches to DeSense. He needs one out. He's got strike one on Doug. What is that man thinking now? He's got strike two on DeSense. Kiko Garcia. Earl Weaver may be thinking about a bunt. Possibly. I bet he is. I bet he's thinking about tomorrow night. Yeah. Two strike pitch. Swing and a miss. The game is over. Tacovi slams the door on Baltimore. John Candelari is brilliant as he pitched six innings. He gets the win. Jim Palmer takes the loss. The Pittsburgh Pirates have fought back to make it all even after six games. Just outstanding performances from the Pittsburgh Pirates these last two games. Candelaria, the Candyman, on short rest, his back barking at him, a rib floating, his shoulders sore, six shutout innings getting key double plays, getting key outs, holding the Oriole bats at bay, keeping the birds off the scoreboard. Tremendous performance from the Candyman. And Kent Colve. you know, after getting hit around, hanging his head low, but keeping his head high now. Three shutout innings. And he'll be ready to go tomorrow. Make no mistake about it. You know, this, this series is really interesting. And the Pirates have had plenty of opportunities. They're relentless. The lineup doesn't let up. But, you know, it wasn't until the last couple of games that the offense really came through where it needed. And it wasn't until the last couple of days that the pitching and the defense was at the level the Pirates expected it to be. You know, early in this series, whether it was Phil Garner or Foley, right? Guys not making plays, not coming through. Willie Stargell not coming through with guys on base. Here he is today coming up with a sack fly. The last couple of days coming up with some sack flies. And boy, Willie Stargell, he's got... He's got a lot left in the tank, and he's got a performance of a lifetime still to deliver in this series. 
But, you know, there's something about this team, right? They don't give up. They gut it out. You know, I can guarantee you Phil Garner, who's had a great offensive series, he's thinking about those defensive plays, and he wants the ball again. Foley wants the ball again. Colby wanted the ball again. He was like, we've got to lead. I want it. I want to take the hill. Candelaria, after getting hit in the round, I want to take the hill. I want the ball. I want to go take it. That's what you do when your back is against the wall. It's how do you stick together? How do you fight through? And when this team sticks together, right, they can be an overwhelming force. And that's what the Orioles have got to be thinking, right? That, man, we missed our opportunity because these guys are tough. When they've got momentum, when they're fighting, man, they just do not let up. Where's the weakness? Where's the weakness? You know, we're going to have to conjure up something to come through and beat these guys. Now, they're going to be sending quite a pitcher to the hill. Scott McGregor is going to be there for game seven. And Scott McGregor, man, is he a big game pitcher? He does not shy away from postseason big moments. He does not. And Orioles will know that. Orioles fans will know that for later in his career too. But man, the Pirates, they've been able to keep the Orioles' offense nearly silent these last few days. And that's going to continue. Because Jim Bibby, he's going to take the hill. Also on short rest. I mean, these guys, right, they're worked hard. It's the end of the season. But it doesn't matter, man. When you get to postseason baseball, you've got to gut it out. And that's what these Pirates are going to be able to do. We're going to be in for quite a thrill, quite a game. Game seven. All bets are off. But it's the best thing in baseball. Until then, catch you next time on Fall Classic Rewind.